I guess we're rolling, huh? Yeah, we're rolling. Yeah, we now. are rolling. We are rolling, rolling in the deep. It. Brought to you by Adele. Does that mean go? Dude, whenever you're ready. Oh, we are. We're good to go. We're good to go. Okay, cool. <laughs> all right. Off hello. to a rocky start. <laughs> no, it's all good. No, we can cut it. We're good. Hello and welcome to episode four of Breathing Room. Um, I'm your host Rob Lavati, and I'm technically flying solo today, but I'm joined by my co-hosts in the studio, John Rodriguez and Nathan Robinson. Uh, Nate had you on on episode one, and you talked a little bit about van life, and you shared a song with us, Um, and it was cool to get to talk to you a little bit, and looking forward to having you back on today, maybe in the driver's seat a little bit, um, and asking some of the questions. So... And John is a good friend of mine. I've known John John since the third or fourth grade. We've been good friends for a number of years. Um, And John actually made the music for the intro of this show, which I'm really grateful for. So thanks for putting that together. Maybe we could talk about that at some point today. Um, And yeah, just want to kind of set the groundwork and, uh, and talk a little bit about foundationally what this show is about. Um, how I got started and what I would like to include on this show going forward. Um, So as I mentioned on episode one, if you had a chance to listen to that, that was Nate Robinson and Kat Dolan. Um, and Kat shared a poem on there called um, Nobody But Myself, I believe was the title of the poem. And it was really a moving, moving poem. I've gotten a lot of feedback on it so far. Um, so in, in episode one, I mentioned that um, about a month before moving to Asheville, my father committed suicide. Um, so that was in September of 2017. It's something that has definitely changed my life. I mean, there's no doubt when I look back that that was kind of an event for me that changed the way that I look at my own life and changed what I feel like my role is going forward. Um, and it's something that I think I've learned a lot about and learned a lot from by being open and vocal and sharing about it. So what I really want this show to be, um, John, I think you might have been there for some of this, but right after my dad died, um, we had a lot of people over at the house. And um, there was a group of us who congregated down in the basement, and we Mm -hmm. sat in a big circle. There were maybe nine or ten of us, and we talked very openly and directly about my dad's suicide. Yeah. Um, yeah, I remember that. And it was some people who were family, some friends, some people that I had just met or wasn't very close to. Um, and Maggie and I just talked about what we were experiencing. Um, and what I noticed was really interesting is that people who were sitting there, like I said, whether family, friend, or almost perfect stranger, felt comfortable to open and share up. Um, what they were going through themselves, right? Mm -hmm. So people before long were talking about how they lost someone to suicide or how they felt suicidal themselves or how they were addicted to heroin. I mean, people really opened up in that conversation and I got to learn about the people that were in that room in a really unique way, I think, by starting with some of the hard stuff that I had that I can bring to the table that is part of me. 
I realized that we all have some of that going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, it was, I remember that night, it was pretty surprising. Like, I remember sitting in the room and thinking, um, you know, I've known these people for quite a bit of time. And, you know, once they opened up and shared their own experiences, I was, I was surprised. I was like, wow, I didn't know that you know, we all shared some sort of common ground, like with that area. Right. Yeah. Right. And it was, it's pretty eye opening to think, you know, it sucks. It takes like a traumatic event like that to get people to open up. You know, you think it, it should be just easier. I mean, if it's, I think it's overall better for people, you know, they just speak free, freely and openly about their emotions. But, um, yeah, it took, it took a pretty, pretty big moment like that for, for everybody to come together and really share their own experiences like that. Right. Mm-hmm. And I was glad everyone did. I mean, I think I learned, like you said, a lot about each of um, the people who decided to share there. And I was really, I felt grateful that people got to hear my experience as well. Mm-hmm. Um, because when you're going through something like a suicide, um, if it's your first time dealing with that, it's easy to feel like you're the only person who feels like you do at that exact moment. So when you can connect with other people and realize that other people have been in a similar position and you can see the things that they did that were effective to help them deal with it, um, I think that's how you can really learn and grow from that type of experience, right? Mm-hmm. So what I hope to do with this show is create that space. Um, where maybe through some of my experiences and things that I've gone through in the past couple of years, um, whether related to my dad or to my mental health opportunities, which is something that I definitely want to get into on this episode today. Um, that's a part of me that I've had to learn to cope with and live with and own, I think most importantly. Um, it's something you have to take seriously, something you have to treat like going to the gym, Um, You have to take care of your mind and do some of the things that are going to be effective to help you feel better. Right. Um, So that's, (laughs) that's why we do maybe the the little 10 seconds of silence thing at the beginning of each episode. Um, Something that has been really effective for me has been meditation. I try to do it every day. I miss a couple days here and there. Um, But I found that when I take the time to do that for five or 10 minutes every day, and create that intentional space where I'm processing something that I'm going through or something that I'm feeling in my body. Um, It's helped me be more present in my regular day-to-day activities Mm -hmm. Um, because I can take that mindset of just focusing on one thing, whether it's my breath or a thought that I'm having or a feeling in my body, I can take that and apply it to, okay, I'm only focusing on working on this podcast right now, Mm -hmm. even though my anxiety is at like a seven and I didn't sleep well last night, you know, like there's all the things that are still always there. Yeah. Um, but it's made me feel more capable of taking them on, you know, what do you think is the, I guess the most efficient way to meditate, like say for someone just starting out or who doesn't meditate like often. Yeah. Uh, there are a lot of great resources that are available out there. Um, the app that got me to meditate was called Headspace. Yeah, um, yeah, it's pretty good. I got the paid version because I just really grew to like it, but it's guided meditation. 
um, there's a nice British man who will take you through as long as you'd like to go. Oh my God, his voice is so soothing. So soothing. I could listen to it all day. Yeah. It's really great. It's like Morgan Freeman, like just floating on a river of honey. <laughs> do you always yeah. have a guided meditation? or do you? No, recently I've been just meditating um, in silence, in yeah. darkness if I can. In darkness. Yeah. Yeah. Just close myself in a room, sit on a yoga mat, <clears throat> and just unplug and try to create the space. But for someone who's just getting started out, I think going guided is a nice way to do it because they will teach you a bunch of various techniques, right? So they will help take you to that meditative state or place maybe quicker than you could find on your own. Mm. But it's definitely like a buffet. You're not going to like everything they give you. And you have to find the techniques that are helpful for you. I don't know, man. I, I like a lot of things that are on buffets. Just saying. Uh, I don't know, man. The crab legs, they've been there for a while. <laughs> Maybe not as fresh as you think. No, yeah. especially on a Sunday. Do you ever find that um, if you're just meditating without any a non-guided meditation, you're just doing it on your own in the dark, that you get that it could almost be hurtful? Because if you're in a like a bad headspace and a bad mentality and you're just sitting there and you can't get your mind off of it, you just kind of default to that place, you know, because you're in your depressive or anxious state or whatever it is, that doing doing that meditation during that time could be hurtful because you're just sitting there in it. I don't... The only thing I don't agree with is maybe the word hurtful. Mm-hmm. I think that meditation could be a painful experience. Mm-hmm. I think it could be very uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, but this might be unpopular. I think it's important to go through that. Mm-hmm. I found that when I've stopped to meditate at times that I've been really anxious or feeling really depressed, isolated, the times that it's been the hardest and most uncomfortable to do have been the times that I felt the best benefit from it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it was definitely hard to do, and I didn't want to be doing it. There were a million things I'd rather be doing in those moments. But it's a good pain. Um, But especially with anxiety, um, a lot of times the only way for me to get through that is to sit there and deal with it and label it and say, like, okay, I'm not dying or having a heart attack. I'm having anxiety right now. Yeah. It makes you more conscious. Yeah. Conscious of your feelings at the time your emotions yeah just how to kind of process that or maybe you don't need to exactly process it you just need to acknowledge it yeah just think like okay this is this is what i'm feeling right now and i need to i need to kind of just be open to it be present with it yeah and realize that it doesn't have to guide you it can Mm -hmm. be a part of you not the guiding part of you Mm mm-hmm and that's why getting focused on your breath is such a helpful technique because it's mm-hmm. another, it's a more physical grounded component of yourself that you can, um, that you can focus on and essentially relate yourself to rather than your brain, which is right. doing what it wants to be doing by default, which is think, right? If we're not doing something, if we're not applying the use of our brain, it wants to think, that's the way your lungs want to breathe and your heart wants to beat. Mm-hmm. Um, so what we have to learn to do is understand the th- things that our brain thinks when we don't give it something to think about. Where does your brain go when you have a moment of silence? I think it's important to 
kind of take note of that and realize what your default pathways are. Yeah. It's funny you say that. Um, cause something I've heard that's like been thrown around just in like with people studying how the mind works is that when people are anxious or depressed, there's a part of their brain that they've like, they've titled it the default mode network. Yep. And it's just like, like you said, the default way that your brain goes to, to, to just, just thinking like, it's just like, it's like breathing, but it's, it's almost like getting your way of thinking trapped in like a certain pattern and meditation is supposed to help you break out of that. Right. I've, I've heard the, um, comparison of a cornfield with really tall corn in it and you walk the same path day after day. After a month or two, there's going to be a pathway paved in the cornfield, right? So that's going to be the easiest way for you to take the default path. It's going to take some work to create a new pathway to get to the other side. Mm-hmm. Um, the brain kind of works in a similar way when you retrain or you have rewards for ways that you think. Um, it's just being reinforced. But anyway, that's a bit of a tangent. We, no, yeah, I could I could go down a couple we, we, rabbit holes. There are like, multiple, <laughs> yeah, there are multiple rabbit holes we can go down there. Yeah, um, I think all tying into the idea that this is something that we're all going through in some way. Um, that's something that I firmly believe and stand by is that everybody, whether even whether they see it or not, is going through their own mental opportunity or has at some point in their life. Um, so I'd like to give this space for people to share what that looks like for them. And what the feedback I've gotten so far is that people can relate. People heard Kat's poem and they thought, wow, I never would have talked about my depression in that way. And that's what I think is unique about creating this space and talking about some things that are maybe taboo or have stigma associated with them typically. Yeah. Um, but I think just creating that open dialogue and making them not so scary is a really powerful thing and a way to help people heal, honestly. Um, so maybe just a little bit more about myself. Um, I think I gave a little introduction in episode one. Um, my name is Rob Lavati again. Um, and I'm 28 years old and based out of Asheville, North Carolina. <coughs> um, I clear my throat sometimes. <laughs> and during my day job, I'm a consultant in the tech field. Um, and some of my hobbies include going to therapy, which is something I want to talk about today. I do that quite a bit. And I found myself a pretty effective regiment for myself. Mm. Um uh, I like to be around music and create music. And I think a lot of the people that I would like to invite to be on the show have so far at least been musically minded or had music be some part of their story or their journey. Right. Um, and I lost my train of thought. So, <laughs> um, going back to what you said about going to therapy yeah what uh what what has been like useful for you that because i 
I've been to therapy before, but I haven't had like a regiment where I go, you know, every week. You know, I've maybe seen a therapist and then, you know, had a couple sessions and it hasn't really panned out. Right. What what have you found that's useful to like get you to keep going? Yeah, I think for me, it took finding the right person first and foremost. It has to be somebody you get along with. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is a person that... If you're talking about a psychologist, somebody you're going to sit down with as a therapist and talk to them weekly or something like that, this is a person that you would almost want to be friends with, you know, um, and somebody that seems to have an understanding of you and helps lead you to the right answer and the solution without giving you the answer. Yeah. That's important. If you sit down with somebody and they tell you, why don't you try this? That's not a very intuitive way of trying to get to the root of what the best solution is going to actually be for us. Um, so finding the right person was the first. Then pushing through the uncomfortable phase. Mm -hmm. This is a person at first you don't know at all. And you're putting some of your most personal stuff out there. So there's definitely an element of trust. becoming comfortable and trust. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. a big part. Um, and I definitely feel like I have that with my current therapist who I see once a week. Mm. Um, I call her my paid friend. That's a, a term <laughs> I like using. Um, and it's, it's nice because if I'm in a place where I really just need to vent and talk about some things that are going on, she'll create that space. Or if she wants to, or if I want to work through some pretty, deep traumatic things from my past she'll work through those as well mm. so you have to find someone who's willing to work with you and understands your story a little bit because everyone has a story in their own way right and everyone has some trauma that they carry um i think describing myself i have a lot of what some people call little t which is just What's like, a little t little traumas or micro traumas that have happened throughout your life mm. um, that are really no one specific major trauma, but still have resulted in trauma-like symptoms. Like when you get pantsed and they accidentally get your underwear down and you're, uh, you're just like full. So it's like you don't have one with the underwear, but you have like 16 where mm. your underwear stay on. Okay. You, have a, you have a story for that, John? No. No? No. I just... I just, just know thought, I just thought of like if that happened to me that'd be pretty traumatic. Have yeah. everyone <laughs> in school like see my dong. Yeah, yeah that wouldn't be at fun. that age. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'd be like more worried more worried about my butt, personally. Yeah, I don't want really. Every, <laughs> I don't want everyone to see my butt. You've shown shy, so yeah, many people butt. your butt. I don't. But I don't it's when that. I choose. If I don't have the the power in the situation, it's just kind of off to me. Okay. Yeah. I see what you mean. Yeah. So you're saying those little tiny, those little T's, they add up over time. Right. They and build then, complexes pretty much. Yeah. And they build default ways that we respond to things. Um, some of them are really easy to pick out and noticeable and other ones we don't even recognize are going on. Like for me, when I see flashing lights or hear a police siren or see an ambulance, it brings up memories of the night we found my dad because when I got there, that's what was there. 
And that's what really stands out in my mind. So that one's really obvious, right? I've been able to pinpoint that and relate that and work through it pretty easily. Um, but then I think there are more complicated and complex traumas that come from even before we were speaking or making memories, really. Like if you were left to cry for too long, yep, that could help create some kind of really complex attachment that you have later on in life that you're not you're not consciously processing. You don't even realize it. Right. Yeah. I've thought about that because um, I'll share a little bit of a personal story here. Um, Ooh, joy. No, yay. Um, as, as far as I can remember, like my mom and my dad have never been together. But, you know, just from what I hear that when they were together, they were young, it was, it was very toxic. Like, right. you know, they, they, they would fight all the time it was pretty abusive and, you know i can't imagine like you know i was a baby i have no memories of it but being around that and in that environment you know i'd imagine that's like you're still taking in information like when you're absolutely an infant, you know absolutely. You, you still see things and experience things and you know i i, I wonder sometimes like has that has it had played a big part in who I am as a person, like, do I have to work through that now? You know? So yeah, it's, it's interesting, interesting to think about. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for, thanks for sharing that. And that's definitely a thought that I've had myself. I had a really good conversation with my mom last week, um, where we talked about some of the memories that I have growing up of where my mom and dad would be arguing. Um, which is something normal that happens in a relationship, right? And when you have kids, the kids might be around for it. <laughs> yeah, That's just, I think, a natural consequence of that. But it's funny how vivid that those memories are for me because they were traumatic and because I cared about both of my parents and they were fighting. Um, it really stands out in my memory and I can remember what I was doing, what I was wearing, where I was, how I felt. And when that feeling or a similar feeling comes up for me now, I can almost relate it to that, which I think is a little T. Yeah. Which is something good to acknowledge and just like recognize that it's there yeah. and talk about. It was like, it was really good to talk to my mom about that. I think putting it out there in the open and letting her know and letting her know that I have no resentment for it. I don't think it was a bad thing or they did a bad job. Yeah. I... I recognize that it's probably hard to be married and harder to be married with kids. Mm -hmm. So I can certainly empathize with that. Yeah. My, uh, but just, my family yells at each other all the time, but I just kind of yell. Yeah. I just accept it. That's just, that's how they communicate <laughs> with each other. Right. Yeah. <coughs> yeah. Nate, Nate has never yelled in his life. Never yelled. Not one time. I think I figured out, um, not too long ago, a little T of mine, uh, when I, I had a, I was riding the bus last week. I think I told you this story. Um, this guy got on the bus and spilled some beer, and the bus driver was like, "All right, you got to get off the bus. You got to go." And he was just being belligerent, and just like sitting there and not getting off the bus. And so me and this other guy stepped in, and I was like, I had it in my head I was going to be really nice to this guy, and I introduced myself and I asked him what his name was, and I was like. Hey man, we can catch the next bus, you know. 
um, let's let's get off the bus and he just wasn't having it. So me and this other guy, we like dragged him off the bus, physically removed him, and then while I was still like in my head, I was like, all right, this guy's off the bus. Let's let's get his stuff off the bus so we can have it. And uh, he hit me in the face, oh, and geez. and when he hit me, I just like barely reacted to it. I was just like, okay, whatever, relax, buddy, you know. Um, and then he hit me again, and that's when it like it took it took him two times to hit me in the face before I like reacted and i was like all right i i like threw him on the ground after that you know right <clears throat> but i think it came from like um uh i don't think my dad ever taught me to fight back like he just my dad hit me and mm-hmm. that's like i never learned to hit back and i didn't realize that um and, until then that that's why I like I don't care to get like it doesn't bother me to get hit hmm. and like and in the military I was hit so much and it just like I just kind of egged it on and I never realized like why I like egged it on because like a part of me like like wanted that or it's just something like familiar to me yeah you were conditioned <clears throat> yeah I was conditioned to fucking get hit <laughs> right and um not saying anything bad about my dad. I love my dad, and he did a great job of raising us all. But, <clears throat> yeah, that was just a, a thing that I – it took me friggin' 30 years to realize that. So. And it's powerful that you were able to find the connection between those things and realize maybe some of those feelings were coming up for you again. Yeah. And like you said, it's – nothing speaking ill of your father it's yeah, it's just a acknowledging life. something that happened right that was a part of your experience you know yeah um and i think the unfortunate thing about trauma is when it comes up for people is it's up to us it's up to the person having the experience to do the work that's going to get through it other people can apologize they can offer support but when it comes to being okay and feeling okay with those feelings, that work is on you. And that's hard. And that's where a lot of the therapy has been helpful for me. Mm-hmm. So in addition to going to um, my weekly therapy, I also do a weekly group, which is called DBT, or Dialectical Behavioral Therapy. Mm-hmm. Which is something that I think they should teach in every school, honestly, when we're young. It's something that feels very academic while we're doing it. There's homework and stickers and shit. Um, <laughs> they give you grades? No grades. All right. You get a C plus for this session. You get a sticker if you do the homework. and like, uh, It's a pretty good trade-off Everybody for me. Everybody loves yeah. a good sticker. It's like a war They're running out of good of... stickers, so I haven't been doing the homework lately. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, you got to get more stickers in there. <laughs> but it's, it's related to the dialectics that we experience on a daily basis, right? With our thoughts, our emotions, our moods. Um, And part of what I want to be open about on this show is in going through the mental health system and doing that route, right? I've gotten myself some diagnoses or some labels, as I like to call them. Um, And I don't know how true they are. I know there's a book that says I'm allegedly these things, right? But what's been effective for me has been doing therapies and even trying medications that 
are recommended for people with those labels. And when I've been doing that, I found myself, I think, a helpful combination of a therapeutic approach, if you will, that's been effective for me. Um, but DBT is really around trying to put time between you having your initial thought or feeling and the response that you make or your reaction. Um, so it's about slowing things down, processing your tough emotions without lashing out or releasing them in a way that's going to be hurtful to you in the long run, right? Mm. Um, so with some of my diagnoses like depression, um, bipolar disorder, um, type two, which is primarily the depressed type. And then you have hypomanic episodes instead of full blown mania. Um, like someone with bipolar type one may experience, um, borderline personality disorder, which is a fun one and a tough nut to crack. Yeah. Um, I've heard, I've heard of that, you know, BPT or BPD. Right. Um, and it's, it's, it's kind of like, I mean, I've only like, you know, briefly looked into it. I haven't really looked too deep, but it seems like it's almost has to do with your interrelationships with people. Exactly. And how your emotions affect that. Yep. Is that kind of... Yeah, interpersonal relationships are a big part of it, where you feel a lot of dependence on the people in your life, whether Mm -hmm. they're best friends or loved ones or family, um, and you get some definition from them. So it's a general kind of lack of or gray area when it comes to self-identity. Self-harm is a component. Um, And I think really just overvaluing personal relationships where someone becomes your world, they're your everything. You spend all your time with this person. You need their energy to continue essentially. And if anything threatens that connection that you have that can that can trigger some some challenging emotions and right. some some tough like some you tough saw situations. me when i went through a breakup not too long ago what three years ago maybe back yeah. when we were in uh, new jersey mm-hmm. yeah and i can remember what that experience was like for me and how long that went on and definitely makes me relate to a bpd diagnosis mm. doesn't make me say like oh yeah I definitely have that yeah but it makes me go like yeah it's possible yeah well breakups breakups are tough yeah for everybody i mean that i've i've seen people just like just turn completely inside out like after a breakup what's the know? worst experience you've had after a breakup oh man i just went like full blown meltdown you know just like super depressed for yeah. like months you know because i was like you know how it is right you picture your whole life with somebody and then it's like the all those plans change and you just you're like beside yourself you don't know what to do so yeah i've definitely been through like a tough breakup yeah yeah you're just like yeah You, you you get depressed you're become hopeless you're like i don't know what i'm gonna do i mean you just have to you know work through it you know, i think 
anybody would be fine just going through a breakup. But yeah, it it was challenging. Do you think that um, to, I guess, like to prevent that is to go into a relationship and not lose like um, individualism or like not lose that you know, where you're still, you're still an individual. And like, I think when we're young, we go into a relationship and we lose that and we just become so connected to the other person right. that we lose sight of ourselves. And that why, that's why it hurts maybe so much when we lose that person. So I guess that's just, this is just like relationship talk or whatever, but like to go into it and not, and still to keep that in mind that I'm going to be myself and still be my, you know, an individual and right. not lose sight of myself right. while I'm with this person. Absolutely. <clears throat> and I think that's especially important for someone who has a BPD diagnosis mm. is you really have to maintain that sense of individualism and hold on to the things that make you an individual and not just become so ingrained with this other person that you start to get rid of the boundaries that should be there. Mm. There are some natural boundaries that I think are harder harder for someone with BPD um, and some things that have to be explicit, explicitly thought about and communicated. Yeah. Um, it's extra fun if you have two people come together who are both diagnosed BPD and you put them in a relationship. <laughs> it's You end up in, with some interesting um, situations there. Yeah, been there. That's what You've you call there? codependent. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. You definitely get some codependence, and you get some unhealthy um, traits that I think start to rise up to the surface. Yeah, I think for so. Example? You have an example for that? Um, I think an example for me would be starting to get so overly dependent and not really still having an established trust with somebody. Um, that's something that I've experienced a lot is like, I'll get very involved and almost dependent upon somebody mm. without really having an established trust trust. And I don't know that's if that's because I just don't trust people <laughs> <laughs> Or it's just that hasn't happened yet at that point in our relationship, you know? Mm -hmm. um, you kind of just jump into the deep end. Just exactly. Here's Cannonball like, in, let's go. Yeah. Like, get my goggles, my swimmies, just... Mm. <laughs> We're swimming. Don't feel the water first. Just go into it. Love. So you end up with two people who kind of feel like that towards each other, and <clears> you <throat> almost cut off everything else in your life sometimes. The only thing that matters is the relationship that you have with this person. Hmm. It's kind of like what you see, like when your friend or someone you know gets into a relationship and uh, they just disappear. Like they just right. fall off the face of the earth. Right. Because they become so integrated with this other person. It's like they just want to spend all their time and like all their uh, like emotional energy on somebody. Is there anybody that's not like that when they first fall in love? I feel like that's just a very... I feel it, like... It's a common thing. I, I don't think I'm really like that. No. No. Mm -mm. Yeah. Maybe it's just you, man. 
<laughs> Maybe that's a little tea you got to work through. Maybe. I'm a pretty tough nut to crack, I feel like, when it comes to affection. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, spending time with somebody, like... It, it can't be too much for me at first. Right. Yep. Yeah, to go slow. Mm-hmm. Just take things Take slow. it easy. Just take it, Just take it easy. <laughs> so, having those experiences and dealing with depression, for I don't really know how long. I haven't, like, stopped and looked back at my life to try to figure out, like, when did this start? Hmm. But it's been a while. It's been since I was a kid. I know that. Depression? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I think I dealt with it differently back then and I didn't know what it was right. and but I definitely had the signs were all there, you know. Um so I don't know. I'd like to think it started somewhere around the age of being born. No. Um <laughs> Yeah, I don't really know, but having that experience uh, sharing that with people and connecting with other people who have depression, mm. diagnosed or not, mm. I think it gives you a much better understanding of somebody. Um, because people who have been through their own version of what depression looked like for them, you can understand maybe what it feels like for somebody else. Somebody who's never experienced depression, or at least hasn't recognized that they've gone through depression, mm-hmm. I think they can have a harder time yeah. Empathizing and relating to how hard it can be when you're really in the thick of it. Do you, do you have a harder time connecting with people who have never, uh, according to them, have never experienced depression? Um, I have a harder time relating to, I think. Mm. There's um, someone in my life, a family member that I met up with after my dad's suicide. And we got under the topics of depression and um, addiction. And he essentially told me that neither one is real. Hmm. Addiction is not a real thing. And Mm -hmm. being depressed isn't real. That our minds are powerful enough that if you don't want to drink, you don't drink. And if you feel sad, feel feel happy. Do something that's going to make yourself happy. And I just felt very, I felt threatened at that point in the conversation. Mm. Because, because he, he, he would, like, you just didn't feel like you're... I didn't feel validated, validated for yeah. my experience because right. I have gone through depression sometimes right. six or nine months mm-hmm. where I've been in a rut. And to be told that that feeling's not real, that I chose that essentially and I wasn't strong enough to get out of it... <laughs> Kind of sucks to hear. Do you think that he would say something like that just as a coping mechanism so that he could get over his own depression? He would just tell himself it's not real? It's possible. Yeah. It's possible. Yeah. Or he just never felt it. Or, yeah, or just has never felt it or isn't aware of that feeling, has found a way to get through it, isn't someone that's susceptible to depression. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. He's just been blessed with a, a happy brain, maybe. Or maybe he has anxiety. Maybe he has other things that have shown up for him. Mm. But maybe depression isn't everyone's thing. You know, I think right. people have different experiences, for right. sure. Yeah. Um, so another thing that I've gotten involved with recently that's been really cool and I wanted to give a shout to 
has been through the AFSP, American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. They do a Survivors of Suicide Loss group twice a month in Asheville. Um, it's the second Thursday of the month. Um, and I'll have to get the exact address. I can't remember where it is. It's at a community center over in West Asheville. And then the last Monday of the month at the Rathbun House over by Mission Hospital. Um, and this has been a really great group for being in a room full of people who have also lost someone to suicide, understand that experience and are on their own journey with losing someone in that way. Um, and it's been a really good space for me to open up about some things that I've been feeling that I haven't recognized or haven't found the outlet to let them out, right? Mm -hmm. So, like, for example, my dad wrote us a letter um, about nine months before he died, which talked about some of his depression and drinking and some other personal things. I shared a little bit, a little snippet of that letter with my group this week. The one that talked about what my dad felt like, how he's never felt pleased with himself. Even if other people seem happy with what he's done, he just didn't feel happy about it. I read that bit to maybe help everyone understand what someone who decides to take their life, what maybe they're feeling. Which is that they're never good enough or that the bar is set at a place that they can't reach it. Um... So those groups have been great. My, my sister has joined me um, to a couple. Shout out to her, Maggie. Um, she made the new logo, really happy with how that came out and excited about that. But she's been joining me, um, some of those groups. Kat Dolan, who was on episode one, she joined me one week for a group. Um, and it really is a great environment for anyone who's lost someone to suicide. So, um, And if you're hearing this and you're not from the Asheville area, um, the AFSP has these types of groups all over the country. Um, if you just hop on the Googles and look up, um, AFSP SOSL survivors of suicide loss group and the name of your town or your area, there's probably something that's pretty close that you could check out. Yeah. I'd imagine these these groups might be a little bit uh, of an eye-opener just with how you can relate to someone else and, <clears throat> and share your experience. Have you have you come across like a scenario where you share something and someone has come up to you and, and is like, you know, I know exactly what you're talking about. I've, oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I've had people that or I had people that came up to me after reading the letter that just wanted to give me a hug. Mm. Um, they really re could relate to it and appreciated the sharing of it. I had a, an experience almost on the flip side this week where one of the group members shared just um, without getting into too much detail um, that she essentially realized that she lived to make her dad proud. And when she didn't have that any longer, kind of broke the foundation of that system for her, right? Mm -hmm. And it was hearing her say that and put that in that way made me realize like, oh, I, I'm going through the same thing. Mm. 
where a lot of my pride that I feel would come from my dad and his reaction to what I was doing. And when you realize that, it's hard. Um, but I think it's important to note that and realize that you have to create that feeling of pride within. You have to be proud of yourself. Do it for yourself, not for someone else. Yeah. Essentially. So an activity that I've gone through lately is like in the things that I'm doing, I stop and ask, like, would this make my dad proud? Mm. If the answer is no, I do it anyway. <laughs> and if the answer is yes, I at least know, like, cool. I can kind of create that feeling internally and just know that I'm doing something that would have made him proud, you know? Mm. But yeah, that's a little bit about kind of just some of my experiences and how that's all tied in. Um, one that I always love talking about that I still have yet to really fully own when it comes to just conversation and not oversharing with people, right, is my hospital stay, which was not too long ago, um, past, past two years, I would say, right? Um, I had a point where after losing my dad, I was just so depressed and hopeless and suicidal and a lot of things, honestly. Um, I decided to just check myself into the hospital and I was in there for two weeks, two weeks of them trying out different medications and seeing if anything would help me feel a little better. And it all made me feel worse. <laughs> yeah. Um, met a lot of interesting people through that time. A lot of people that were like me, average people going through a tough time. And I think it gave me a lot of empathy for people who go through mental health opportunities because there I was going through on myself. Mm -hmm. You think about, you think about people, like you think about people who, uh, they, they're admitted to a, you know, what is it? Inpatient. Clinic, inpatient facility. In facility. Yeah. yeah. And you think like, oh, I'm, I'm sure like most people would just think like, oh yeah, they're, they're in the loony bin. Like that's, that's who they are. That's, <laughs> Yeah, they're just crazy. Right. You know, they kind of dismiss it. and But a lot of people don't realize that, like, it could happen to anybody. Like, all it takes is the right circumstances and the right, you know, the right things to go wrong for you. Like, right. It's like, you know, you, you don't have many other options. <clears throat> I mean, I guess you do, but, you know, that's, that's one of the things I think... Um, people would lean on for help right you know because i feel like i feel like the system that we have now uh just with mental health it's it's gotten better it's got it it's got some some really uh some really constructive tools that people can use to to really just you know, work through their challenges. But yeah, I think there's still left to be still some things that are left to be improved on. And, uh, I lost my train of thought. Where was I going with this? No, that's okay. I'll yeah. pick it up for you. Yeah. I think there's Take a really away. important component of combating social isolation and depression and anxiety. It's in a book 
um, the little bit that I have read book that I gave to you, John, um, lost connections. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've read through most of that book. It's been, it's been pretty, pretty great. Like right. really, really eye opening. Good Just, read. Yeah. I, I recommend it to anybody. Um, if anyone out there is confused or they, you know, don't know why they, they're feeling the way that they are, that book, it, it, it connects a lot of those feelings to, um, uh, almost like a, a list of very specific reasons, very specific circumstances. Right. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, it's been, it's been really helpful just like for me at least to understand, you know, why, cause it's the big thing that people, uh, connect with depression and anxiety is brain chemistry. You know, they, they think like, yep, you have these receptors in your brain that are malfunctioning and you don't get a certain chemical and that's why you're feeling the way that you're feeling. Um, but a lot of what this book talks about is not, maybe not so much the chemical part of it, but more of the environmental and psychosocial aspects of it. And it's like, uh, it's like, well, people have specific needs to feel good, feel good about themselves. Right. And when a lot of those needs aren't being met, that can, that can cause a lot of depression and anxiety. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great point. And I, I think it's, it's definitely easy to see the comparison that's being drawn there. And I think what they talk about in Lost Connections, do you remember the author of that book, by the way? Mm-mm. No, I can't think of it. We'll have to yeah. include you, that one in the description. But yeah, we'll, give it a Googles. Yeah. I, I think the interesting thing that it does is it puts depression and, and anxiety in a similar box. Where, like you said, in that box, and the reason that it appears is because your needs are not being met. And I think... That's an interesting thing about depression and anxiety that can often be forgotten in the moment, which is that they're trying to tell us something. Mm -hmm. When you feel very depressed or when you feel really anxious in a situation, your body and your mind they're are trying to send you a message when you feel depressed or anxious. And with that feeling, sometimes you can use it as a door to make the change that's going to help that feeling in the same way that if your legs feel really tight you can stretch them out and they're going to feel a little bit better in that same way if you're feeling a little bit depressed and you practice some self-care and meditate and go out and be social maybe you go for a jog Mm -hmm. maybe you eat a healthy shake you do whatever the things are that are going to take care of your body and your mind before you know it, you're feeling a little bit better. Mm-hmm. You're feeling more connected. And that's the message I think we can take from depression and anxiety when we feel it, especially when we feel it chronically, is maybe there's something I can change about my situation that's going to help at least reduce the impact that this is having on me. It might not make the depression or anxiety go away, but can at least make make me able to live with it better. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good point. 
Um, What's next? I don't know. Now we, what? What do we talk about? We, we've gone down some good rabbit holes. I yeah. think it's good just to open some of this up and kind of set set the tone moving forward. Some of the things that I'd like to talk about. Um, I think a big thing that's come up time and time again with the guests that I've had on the show so far are just some of the challenges that are facing artists in Asheville. And I think this is a broader problem than just this city, right? Um, that's something that I would certainly like to continue focusing on moving forward. There were some things that have come up, such as having gigs that are unpaid. Yeah. Happens quite frequently in the city, right? Um, I believe it was Chiltonic in episode two brought up the idea of artists maybe being hesitant to help each other in this city because it is competitive. Um, just the fact that a lot of the work here is seasonal um, with tourists in the summer, in the fall. The winter can be a really tough time for people who are trying to make a living performing. Yeah. Um, and then the one that's not a surprise to any of us is just trying to find affordable rent can be a challenge, especially if you don't have a steady income, if you're in an artist-type situation. Yeah. Um, it yeah, can be being an, an artist is a, is a thankless job. Yeah. A lot of the time, especially if you're starting out, I feel like. Right. It's like you said, a lot of them a lot of them play for free or play, you know, for very little money. I mean, you know, you, you busk, and I'm sure some days, you know, if there's a lot of foot traffic on the street and, you know, you might have a good haul with people give throwing you tips and some days it might not be so great at all. Yeah. It's just the, uh, just the thing of being an artist, man, the starving artist, Yeah, you know, we have to play and we have to create. And if we did it for money, like who's going to do it for money or like who's in it for the money? I guess there's probably a lot of people in it for the money and make money doing it. But yeah, it's kind of an age-old thing that you're going to struggle if you're creating art. Because it's just, I don't know. Is art undervalued? Undervalued? That's a, that's a tough nut to crack. <laughs> and I don't mean financially. I, I don't mean do people not pay enough for art. I just mean in our culture, in our society... Does art not have the place that it should have? Um, I, I think that probably comes down to the individual. Um, I don't know if you're talking about like as a country or a society in whole. Do we like respect art or does everyone or like does the whole society love art? You know, does art have the power that it should? Um, Probably not, because money's always taking over everything. Right. I, I think we're just a greedy society, and we're mo more focused on that than the beautiful things in life, like art right. and the world around us. But I think that's like a growing trend, obviously, in the last few years with with Instagram, you know, Instagram. stuff like taking, yeah, you know, of like actually appreciating the world around us and art around us. So I think that just comes down to an individual level. Like, what do you appreciate? And like, how do you see art, you know, more than, yeah. more than thinking of 
of how a culture sees it. Yeah. Because if, if I start thinking like that, man, I'll start like start being cynical because I don't know. You think like you think like what's the point? You know, right? Why why should I make art that's you know authentic and genuine to me when yeah when it, someone's it gonna take matters. it and just throw it on the ground like oh look at that piece of trash over yeah, there. yeah it only matters yeah. when when someone else likes it when yeah. someone else you know yeah wants it, to pay money for it yeah yeah so I think art is really just a personal thing it's like right we're we're artistic beings naturally I think and. Yeah, no, that's good perspective. Uh, I think that's really good perspective. And I think you hit on a good point, which is that I think even the definition of art is different for everybody because mm-hmm. I think art is something that makes you feel something. And not the same things are going to make everybody feel the same things. Mm-hmm. What, do you, what do you think that guy felt when you saw that banana duct tape to the wall? The guy that ate it? The guy that bought it for $120,000. He probably thought, like, oh, I need to hide some money for (laughs) a tax scheme (laughs) that I'm doing. Yep. yep. This banana is going to work. Jeez. Yeah, man. That's a whole nother topic. But fine art is a different story. There's a lot of money that's being hidden hidden in Mm. fine art. (laughs) Tax-free money. What, physically? Yeah, sure thing. Hmm. If I have a million dollars and I'm going to get taxed for having that money at the end, at the end of the year, I'm going to go buy a million dollar Andy Warhol there you go. and hang that up on my wall. Hmm. Now I have an asset that is only going to go up in value probably hmm. and can't be taxed. So just something to think about. I was in a, in a work environment not too long ago. Um, where the owner was very, very wealthy. Mm. Um, it was in New York City. Mm-hmm. And there were Andy Warhol paintings in the lobbies and just very expensive sculptures and paintings. And um, it was an interesting place. I don't know how much I should talk about it. I don't think I'm really allowed to get into <laughs> yeah, the nitty gritty. You signed an NDA, remember that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's that's not like proprietary information. No, you can no, talk about no. the ridiculous shit that they have all over the building. You know. So another thing I wanted to make sure I did today was represent who and what I support. I think that's important. I think there are a lot of great people that have helped help me get get this off the ground, and people that have participated so far. So I want to make sure that they get recognized. John, I definitely want to thank you for helping make the intro music. It's something that I really like a lot and I think represents what I was hoping to go for for this show. Yeah, um, absolutely. Thanks for yeah. taking the time to do that. My um, pleasure. You're a talented musician and producer. Um, and ex- like I get excited when I see you working on that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. I love it too. I appreciate it. I, I love any opportunity to where I can strut my stuff you know? yeah definitely <laughs> just to show people because I, I feel like um by default just the, with the kind of person that i am i almost like to hide my creations right i'm 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 very like hesitant to to 
project those things and share them with people. And uh, yeah, it's 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 tough because you know one of the joys of creating music and art is sharing them, right? And giving that 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 good feeling that you get when you make something, giving it to somebody else. So yeah, uh, I I'm uh, was glad to you know make that track for you and have it have it somewhere where it's you know it's going to be shared with a lot of people yeah uh, once a week yeah definitely yeah the start of every show mm-hmm. and the gong in there is i think a cool way to pay homage to <laughs> just the meditation moment that we do at the beginning of every show mm-hmm. maybe we'll put the song right after that yeah. to kind of be the gong that brings us back to the show <laughs> um I also want to give a shout out, I know I did already, but to Maggie, my sister. Um, she did a really a great job with the new logo. Um, I'm very happy with how it came out. Something that I'm excited to throw on a t-shirt or something. Like, yeah, I love that, man. Make a sticker or like, it's it came out really cool. Mm. So thanks to Maggie for helping out there. Um, I support any local artists who are doing the thing, you know? It's not easy. Um, Nate, you know a lot of the challenges that come with trying to get your art out there and trying to do it consistently in a way that's constantly growing. Mm. Um, I think the artists that I really respect are the ones that continually come out there and do it and do it time and time again and do it well. Um, Nate, I think you're one of them, even though you don't, you haven't been playing out live often lately. Mm. Every time I hear you perform... Um, just the new stuff you're working on. It's always constantly evolving and moving forward. Thanks, man. Um, Chill Tonic, um, they were on episode two. They're a band that I'm always really excited when they're in town. Um, they always have something fresh, a fresh take at their live performance, and mm-hmm. they're always hungry and seems like they want to put something out there, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, Cat Dolan and Out of Your Mind from episode one. Um Big shout out to them and everything that Out of Your Mind is working on to help combat social isolation. Um, They do several events a month out there in Boone, North Carolina. Um, Things from hiking to workshops and just different, um, I think they had a jam session one time. Just a way to get connected with other people and talk to people in a way that helps you acknowledge and respect that part of you that's struggling you know um also want to shout out matt dunn in av live matt on the ones and twos producing for us as he does every week really appreciative of uh, all the work he's been able to do for us there um want to thank abby the spoon lady and the tater boys they were on last week and that was a fun show they played for us and we got into some really got into some really good stuff and some deep stuff as well Um, which again is kind of the intent of this program is to maybe get into some of the conversations that you wouldn't hear on a normal interview or radio show, try to pull up some of the deeper stuff. Um, I wanted to give a quick shout out to, um, two organizations, one being Riverbend, Riverbend CBD. Um, it's a product that I use every day. I actually even brought it with me. This wasn't planned. I had it in my backpack because I was going (laughs) to take it beforehand. Um, shouts out, shout out to Riverbend. Um, they make a really great product. I've tried a lot of CBD. I've tried it different ways. I've tried the oil, which is what this is here. 
it's just like a little tincture and you get the oil, put it under your tongue for 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. Um, I've tried smoking the hemp. I've tried um, oils, which you vape and just a bunch of different things. And this has worked the best for me. Um, really helpful for anxiety and sleep are really the two things that I use it for. If I take a couple droppers of this, the chances are I'm probably going to fall asleep afterwards. <laughs> it just, it definitely helps. And <laughs> it's been helpful for me. It's something I use, like I said, almost every day. So big shout out to them and love to see what they're doing. Um, and the other I wanted to shout out is um, called Divine Scum. I don't know if you guys have heard of Divine, Divine Scum. I love the name. It's got some like shock value to it. Mm-hmm. You hear it, you really don't know what it is, and it makes you want to ask some questions. Um, but what Divine Scum is, is a clothing brand. They make hats, like winter hats, and then they have sweatshirts and t-shirts, a lot of cool stuff that I saw um, on their page. Um, and what it is as well is a community for people to help spread awareness to things that they're going through. So it's almost like a blog style setup where once you've entered the community and purchased some of Divine Scum's material, um, you're part of their blog, you're a member of their forum, and you can help just share what you're going through or ask questions of the community. And it's really just a helpful way and a platform for, for people to be able to kind of shout out and talk about some of the things that they're struggling with that maybe you don't just go and post on social media, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's been a pretty cool thing. I think a really great awareness project um, and really happy for the work that they're doing to help just kind of, again, continue that conversation and keep it going, which I think is important. Right on. Cool. Well, we are right about at time. I, I know we were going to play a little bit, Nate. Is that something that you're really feeling or do you want to save it for next time that we have we you can, on? Yeah, we can save it. All right. I'm cool with that. Yeah. Build the tension a little bit. Build the tension. Maybe try to break out of my shell that have been building around me for the last however long. 32 years. 32 years. Yeah, I broke out of it for a couple of years. Now I'm like crawling back into it. Maybe yeah. it's just the winter time, but I don't know. I think it's a tough time of year for a lot of different reasons for a lot of different people. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a weird time, man, for yeah. me. Yeah. Uh, I just, I don't know. I'm in a weird place with, with playing. Yeah. It's probably just because I haven't been playing out at all, you know, and I've just been hidden in my room so much, but yeah. We'll get past it. And, uh, yeah. 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 Well, thanks for sharing. I hate to hear that. You've been in a tough, a tough spot. It's all right. Um, I've also seen you get through similar spots before. All right. For sure. And sometimes you come out of them with some good music. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to come out. I like, I've still been writing so much. Yeah. You know, and practicing. So I'm going to come out with some stuff. Yeah, for definitely. Sure. Depressed yeah. people make the best art. So Best art, yeah. 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 So I think you're, <laughs> you, you got something going there. Shout out to depressed people, including the three that are in here. <laughs> I, I've heard of a thing where like people who are creative, like uh, artists, they they're like they're hesitant to really deal with their depression and not be depressed because they feel like they that's gonna. They're, well, they feel like that's gonna that's gonna make them less. Creative less and creative. less artistic, that their yeah. art is not going to be as good as it was because yeah. they're not depressed anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
I've uh, definitely had that thought and I've heard it before. Um, but I feel like I, I like the stuff that I create even when I'm not depressed. You know, I definitely have found like some happy feeling stuff and like, and I like that too. I like knowing that I don't have to be depressed to create. I know that it is is in me and it's always going to be in me and that's what I hold on to. I don't hold on to the depression right. or the anxiety or whatever moods. I hold on to the fact that I love to create and I love art. Yeah. Yeah. And it's got to be a little bit different creating in each of those mind states. Yeah. And yeah, it's great because you can come up with a, all different kinds of feels and like just based off who you are. Yeah. If that makes any sense. Yeah, it does. Yeah. <clears throat> I think it represents a different element of you or a different side of you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, thank you for joining me today, guys. Is there anything you guys have on your minds before we go? Anything you want to throw out there? Uh, thanks, Rob, for having me. Yeah. Yeah, I appreciate you, man. As a friend. Yeah, this has been real fun. Yeah, this is great. I'm glad I did this. Yeah, when I thought about doing this episode where it was more of a solo kind of thing where I got to set the platform, you were definitely two people that I thought about having on. Mm-hmm. I think two people that know me well, and um, you're both handsome. Um, <laughs> what are you doing after this? <laughs> <laughs> Going home, how about you? Uh, um, we live yeah, together. No, I just really appreciate the perspective that you guys are able to bring to the table, and thank you guys for joining me today. Um, so until next time, don't forget to breathe. This is Rob Lavati with Breathing Room. Check us out on Instagram with, at, uh, out, at Breathing Room Show. And pretty soon we'll be available on YouTube and Spotify and iTunes. So look out for that. Shout out to my mom, too. She's in the studio today. She's pretty cool and very supportive. So hi, Mom. Um, if you're listening to this, give your mom a hug today or tomorrow maybe the next day hello mother asap hey mom mother mother all right thanks for joining everybody